welcome to The Disability, a podcast where we have candid discussions about all things related to disability, short-term, long-term, financial claims, impact on other areas of life, causes in the workplace, and more, with your host, Attorney Angel Burgess. You can find this show at www.disabilityhelpline.com and on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Now here's the host of The Disability, Angel Burgess. Hello and welcome to Disability. Today we are pleased to have with us another expert, uh, attorney Doug Robinson with the law firm of Robinson and Warnicky. Welcome. Hey, Angel. Uh, thanks for having me today. Well, thank you for joining us. So first, what I'd like to do is if you would tell our audience a little bit about um, your practice area. Um, sure. My partner and I have a uh, law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and for over 20 years, our focus has been representing individuals in disability and disability insurance claims, both uh, short-term and primarily long-term disability. Um, and for what it's worth, I'm also the uh, chair of the Georgia State Bar Association's employee benefits section and vice chair of the American Bar Association's uh, Committee on Life, Disability, and Health Insurance. Wonderful. So as you can imagine, I get a lot of calls um, and emails with people that have questions about, you know, short-term disability, long-term disability. So I think the first question that I have for you is if you can just distinguish or differentiate for us, what is the difference between FMLA, short-term disability, and long-term disability? Okay, I'll give that a shot. Um, when we when you refer to FMLA, what you're talking about there is it's a it's a federal law that basically requires certain employers to offer unpaid uh, medical leave to their employees. So if someone gets sick um, and can't work anymore, if that employer is governed by FMLA, which is you know, it's employers that employ more than 50 employees, um, then they have to offer up to 12 weeks of unpaid uh, leave. During the, the important thing there is during that time, your benefits are protected. So that would be your, for instance, your health insurance okay. uh, benefits are protected. You don't get paid under FMLA. Um, for that, hopefully your employer will offer what's called short-term disability coverage, a short-term disability plan or insurance policy. And that will pay you a percentage of your uh, salary while you're disabled and out of work. Um, it has limits. It's usually about 90 days to six months maximum that you can get short-term disability. And so those two claims can go on at the same time, which is confusing for some people. And FMLA will require a doctor form. So your doctor may fill out the FMLA form and then they get hit with another form for short-term disability. 
And just because your FMLA is approved doesn't necessarily mean that the employer or more likely the insurance company that's helping the employer or insuring the benefits is going to approve the short-term disability. It's usually going to get a little more scrutiny because there's money involved. Okay. Long-term disability is, is a plan that your employer may offer. It's optional. They don't have to offer it. But if they do, it kicks in when your short-term disability runs out. And it also will pay a percentage of your uh, former salary. The thing about long-term disability is if you qualify for it, you'll continue to get benefits after your employer um, terminates your employment because you can't come back to work. Okay. All right. So what is the difference then uh, between the long-term disability benefits and my world, which is social security disability benefits? Explain things on your side. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of them, but I'm going <laughs> to, so let me tackle what I think are really the most, from my side, what the most significant differences are. Okay. And the first is with social security disability benefits, it's a government benefit. And so you're going to have an independent, impartial third party making the decision as to whether or not you're approved for Social Security disability benefits, whether that's an administrative law judge or someone else within the administration. With long-term disability benefits, almost always those are going to be insured benefits. It's part of a, a group insurance policy. And what's significant there is that the same insurance company that has to pay you benefits if you're approved is also the insurance company that's going to decide whether or not you get approved. And so that poses a conflict of interest. Um, it's, it's totally permissible. It's part of uh, what the standard operating procedure, um, but it's a reality. And secondly, a, most long-term disability benefits are going to be governed by a federal law called ERISA. ERISA applies to any plan or group insurance policy that your employer has. So if your benefits for long-term disability come through your employer, your claim's going to be governed by ERISA with very few exceptions. Maybe school teachers, people that work for a church, maybe a, few, a very narrow exception, but for the vast majority, it's ERISA. And it has its own unique procedures and pitfalls for people that aren't familiar with it. Okay. So just to back up a little bit, um, when we're looking at a scenario where, you know, someone is working and let's say they've got a chronic health condition that they've been able to kind of power through for a while, but they're seeing a, det a deterioration in their health. And, you know, they're at the point where they're thinking, I don't know how much longer I can continue to do this. Yeah. It sounds like from what you're saying that number one, FMLA is not a guaranteed option. It sounds like it depends on the size of the employer. 
Yes. Is that right? Okay. And then short-term and long-term disability are also not guaranteed options. No, they're not. Um, okay. yeah. You're going to have to meet the definition of disability that's set forth in the disability plan, and you're going to have an insurer decide whether or not you meet that definition. Okay. So if an employer does not offer, let's say, either short-term or long-term disability, is it possible to get it on my own? So privately purchase a policy. Yes. Okay. Uh, but uh, if you're asking this question under the fact scenario you just gave me, it's probably too late. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, we have lots of clients that are that either don't have uh, disability coverage through their employer, or maybe they have it, but it's not a lot. Uh, offer sixty percent, and they want better coverage. Okay. You can absolutely go out and shop for your own disability policy. And those policies are not going to be covered by ERISA. Um, they're going to be treated just like any other contract. And so that's actually, um, it can be an easier benefit for you to recover if something happens than your ERISA employer-based. Okay. All right. So assuming that we are, you know, Going back to my scenario, and we're talking about somebody whose whose employer is offering the benefit. Um, is there a typical period of time that the long-term disability benefits will last? Yes, and usually that's specified in the policy. Okay. or a plan document. Most plan documents really are nothing more than a group insurance policy. And they're going to say how long it is. What we see most often is it's, it's either the maximum uh, or it's either the full Social Security retirement age. Okay. Which, uh, you can tell us better than anyone. Um, it's usually anywhere from 65 to 67, right? Right. Okay. Uh, or the policy may just say flat out that benefits end at age 65. Okay. Um, and there's, but there's here, there's something I probably should go ahead and mention. Um, for those of you who are approved for long-term disability insurance um, benefits, for the vast majority of folks, there is a definition change of disability at the 24 month mark. And so your disability claim will be decided for the first 24 months on whether or not you could do your regular former occupation. And after that, the insurance company is going to re-review you, re-review your medical evidence and see if there are other occupations uh, different from your regular one that you are capable of performing. And when I say that, I don't mean they have to go out and find you a job and set up an interview for you. Um, they just have to find that there is an occupation in the national economy that they say you could perform. And if that's the case, then your benefits will terminate. And uh, that's what we see a lot of clients that come to us at that point in time. They've it's been approved for 24 months, but now the insurance company is saying they no longer meet the definition. Okay. So 
and so do most policies have that 24 month language first they do, then? They do. Okay. i think the biggest exception to that um which is which is nice if you can get it is a lot of professionals will have what we call occupation own occupation policies doctors lawyers um a lot of professionals and business owners may uh, have a what we consider to be a little better coverage okay. and they'll pay you uh, under the same definition for the whole time. Okay. So after that 24 month period, then the requirements mirror a little bit more closely those of social security disability um, in terms of proving that you're not able to work in any job, which is what you have to prove in most cases except that the insurance company is making that decision versus the government okay that's right and and, um, uh, many people think that because social security approves them at some point their long-term disability benefits must be approved as well and that's that is far from necessarily the case Um, we we see many many uh, long-term disability uh, claims that are denied or benefits terminated after someone's already been approved by Social Security. Okay, well, that's good to know. That's good to know. So what to an approval for long-term disability? I know one of the questions that I get most often in the Social Security realm is, okay, well, my doctor has said I'm disabled, so why can't Social Security just agree with my doctor? Uh, <laughs> do you find that you get that question a lot as well? I do. Okay. I do. A lot of people think that, and I'll tell you what, Angel, a lot of doctors that write those letters or put that in the notes think that as well. They, yes. the, those physicians think, well, I've been practicing medicine. I, I know this patient. I'm a doctor. I know whether or not this doc, uh, patient is disabled, but that's not the case. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll go even farther we um, we've seen the internal uh, claims handling guidelines for a lot of these insurance companies, and they actually tell their employees don't put much stock into a vague conclusory statement from a treating physician that somebody's disabled. We're just not going to consider that very persuasive. Instead, what you really need are very specific restrictions and limitations. That's what the insurance company is going to expect. And they're going to expect those to be um, supported um, by objective evidence, wherever possible testing. Um, You can get a variety of different types of objective evidence. In some cases, it could be an MRI or an EMG nerve conduction study. In other cases, you're going to need to objectively prove not that you have a condition, but how severe it is and how it impairs your ability to do your job. So that might be for somebody who has a physical problem, a functional capacity evaluation. Um, It might be for somebody who has a cognitive problem, getting some expert neuropsychological testing done. And those are the things that actually get cases approved. Okay. Now, what about situations where um, there's more of a mental health component? So depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, um, Mm -hmm. 
how are those cases handled or approached in terms of, you know, we don't have objective evidence similar to, you know, an EMG or an MRI. So how are those cases viewed when um, there are no tests that a machine can perform to confirm the diagnosis or the severity? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, there are objective tests, though, that can be administered by a psychologist that does that type of testing <clears throat> or a neuropsychologist. I would say that to me, they're not quite as objective as a cognitive test. Right. Um, but there are standardized questionnaires, for instance, symptom questionnaires um, that a psychiatrist or psychologist usually can administer that will give you a level of objectivity um, in dealing with the severity of your symptoms. We find also that in those cases, the insurance companies, they look at your medical records, the, the clinical notes from your treating psychologist and there's mental status exams. And uh, oftentimes it says normal, normal, normal. Right. <laughs> and, I know. And then the psychologist will tell me, oh, but they can't work. And well, <laughs> it says normal, normal, normal. Right. And it's just kind of the nature of that testing. It, it's not a very sensitive test. It's not very detailed. Uh, it's, it's meant to really to screen whether somebody oftentimes needs um, a step up in their level of treatment. Um, but um, I, I think that there are some tests and you definitely need to work with the, um, if you don't have a good mental status exam in the record, you need to work with your psychologist to get one. Okay. Um, if your psychologist has noticed that you come in with and exhibit different problems, that needs to be in writing in the records. Right. I, I want to also add one other thing about those types of claims. Many people don't know this, but usually uh, those claims are limited to 24 months for long-term disability insurance. Um, there's a, that's been going on for a while. There's a trend to limit the types of claims that, that insurance companies find themselves paying often and are difficult to objectively prove or disprove. Insurance companies are simply writing those down and saying, we'll pay you benefits, but only 24 months. Wow, okay. Are there any other conditions that come to mind that are similar that insurance companies are now trying to, to limit to the 24 months? It depends on the insurance company, but we definitely have some, like the standard um, and MetLife. For quite some time, for instance, those carriers have been limiting fibromyalgia, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, and even with uh, standard and MetLife uh, musculoskeletal conditions. Wow. Um, unless, usually there's an exception if you can prove it with a EMG nerve conduction study that you have a radiculopathy, for instance, and there'll be a checklist of exceptions. But what they're trying to do is limit conditions that primarily that are difficult to prove objectively and primarily cause pain and fatigue. 
Okay. And they're not saying that we won't approve those claims, but they're limiting them to 24 months to cut costs. What a shame. Well, you can always get a private policy to cover you um, that doesn't have that type of limitation. So sometimes that's where private um, supplemental insurance can be very valuable. Okay, but that's, that's good to know. So with a, let's say, long-term disability claim, if someone is in the position where they need to apply, when is a good time to apply? Um, you know, how soon should they start the process? Well, um, the short answer is as soon as possible. Um, the, you, you'd have to look at the plan document to see how long you have. There's going to be a limitation on how long you have in every disability plan. With short-term disability, we usually see about 30 days. You need to contact uh, your employer who will put you in touch with the right um, individual who may be an insurance company to make a claim. Now, making a claim could be as simple as getting on the phone. Sometimes you can do that on the phone, like social security disability, and you just have to answer a series of questions. And then what's gonna happen with your claim is you're gonna have to get a treating physician fill out a form okay. uh, supporting your disability. Um, and usually of 30 days, sometimes up to 90 days for short term. And then the same for long term, we usually see 90 days but you should look at the policy. And if you can't make a claim for some reason for long-term in that 90 days, a lot of policies do have a provision. So, so for instance, you're in a coma um, or you are hospitalized with a mental illness. Um, those policies a lot of times will say you can have up to a year okay. if you can show that it was unreasonable for you to make a claim. Here, there's one thing I want to add, a little pitfall for folks to be aware of, and that's your whoever handles your short-term disability claim may not be the same insurance company that's handling the long-term. So a lot of times if you're, if you're approved for short-term disability benefits or if you've made a claim, that same insurance company will then just transition you to long-term if you're still disabled, but not always. There could be a different insurance company, a different policy that covers the long term. So you you need to try to be aware of that because if, if you see a company like Sedgwick, uh, which isn't a real insurance company, it's a third party administrator, hmm. and they may be handling the claim for your employer's short term disability plan, but Sedgwick is not gonna call Cigna or MetLife and tell them to open a long-term disability claim. Claim That's your responsibility. And so you need to figure that out. And if, if you need to, you may need to open a claim yourself or get an attorney to help you. Well, that, that's a good segue um, into my next question is, you know, tell us about attorney representation in these short-term disability and long-term disability claims. How does it work? Um, well, Angel, I would say, first of all, we represent people at all different stages. Um, we represent a lot of professionals in particular 
very early in the process because they're savvy enough to know um, that, for instance, they may have a medical condition they've been struggling through. A lot of people really do not want to stop working. Right. Um, but it's getting worse. Um, they may have a progressive medical condition. And we have a lot of professionals and, and other employees reach out to us when they know it's they're struggling, but they know there's a great possibility that in the near future, they're going to have to make a claim. And it's good because we can give them some counseling right? and tell them how to, how to get ready for this um, and set it up the right way. Um, now they can't make a claim until they can't work any longer, but um, we do that. Um, the vast majority of our clients, um, come see us and hire us after a claim has been denied or after they get a letter terminating their benefits. Okay. Now, under ERISA, so if it's an employer-based coverage you have, then your uh, whoever the insurance company or other administrator is has to give you a right to appeal if they terminate your benefits or deny your claim. Okay. That's what we call the administrative appeal. It goes back to the same insurance company and they have a different uh, department look at it. Um, this is when we are most commonly hired and, and that's when we should be hired if you want an attorney and I'll tell you why. Because a lot, some folks wait until the appeals decided against them. And then they get a letter for the very first time, because until that point, I, I mean, um, an insurance company is not going to tell you you can have a representation, you can have a lawyer represent you. They're not going to tell you that in the letter. Mm -hmm. uh, and you may not know it. And if you wait until the appeal's denied, it limits what we can do. Your appeal is your last opportunity to create a supporting record for your case. Once the appeal's denied, you can file suit in federal court. The judge will not look at anything new. Wow. Only what you submitted to the insurance company during the appeal. And so a lot of times the best way a lawyer can help you, in addition to just being your advocate, is helping you understand what's missing mm -hmm. from your file. Why have you not proven your case yet? If you're disabled, if your illness is keeping you from working, how do you prove it? Right. What objective evidence could you obtain? And the lawyer um, at that point, see, we can help people develop a strong record that either gets their claim approved or creates a record for when they have to file suit. The judge can look at it and decide that their claim should have been approved. So how are attorneys paid in these type of cases? Um, there are different options. Um, for most people, I would say once your benefits have been terminated uh, or your, your benefits have been denied, you're no longer employed, you're not getting a salary, most people don't have the income to pay a lawyer as you go. Right. And so the lawyers that do what we do um, offer a contingency fee arrangement where they will not charge you anything out of pocket in, unless they're successful in helping you get your benefits established. 
And at that point, the, the contingency fee is a percentage of the benefits. Now, for, for some clients, it, paying by the hour is the better option. Um, for individuals that have very large policies, for instance, or um, who just feel like they want counseling and a lawyer can come in and help them up front and keep them from having their benefits terminated, a lot of times the best option for those folks is just to pay the lawyer by the hour. And we, okay. we offer both. Okay. That makes sense. So if you would share with the audience any do's and don'ts or any tips that you wish people knew before they called you um, mm. that help to, to kind of uh, ward off some of the pitfalls that you've told us about earlier. Yeah. Well, um, we talked about a lot of them, so just remember what we talked about. Number one, <laughs> um, remember that your appeal, I would, I would tell people that when you get the letter giving you an opportunity to appeal, don't just jump the gun and send a letter saying, I'm appealing. That can be a big mistake because the insurance company uh, under ERISA has a certain period of time to decide the appeal. And if you don't submit any new evidence with your letter saying, I hereby appeal, you may think you're being very diligent, you know, and it's reasonable for you to think the best thing to do is to immediately tell them, I want an appeal. The best thing to do is to say, I'm appealing, but I want more time. Okay. So don't start the appeal review until I tell you to. Um, you have 180 days, so six months from the time your claim is denied or your benefits are terminated to submit an appeal. Make sure that the insurance company knows you want the record to stay open and for them not to start the review because if they just jump the gun and issue that appeal denial letter, that's going to close your record and that's going to keep you from getting the evidence that you may need. Another bit of advice I would give everyone is that it can be difficult in these cases to continue to get proper medical treatment. It can be the single hardest thing. Your insurance benefits will likely terminate after FMLA runs out whenever your employer decides you're not coming back they're going to terminate your employment. And so whether you're approved for long-term disability yet or not, you need to keep seeing the doctor because these policies have a provision in them always that requires you to be getting appropriate medical care to, con- to, to qualify for benefits. So you can be in between a rock and a hard place. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, we have clients that lose their health insurance. And for those who can get on a spouse's insurance plan, that's usually the best option. Okay. Others may want to do uh, some COBRA, which is pretty expensive and short-term solution. That's an option to stay on your, your own plan. And then for a lot of folks, you want to go on the exchange and get your own health insurance if you can't afford to pay your doctors as you go. Um, you have 60 days. This is a qualifying event. If you lose your health insurance because 
your employment terminates because you're disabled, you should be able to, uh, Angel, you may know more about this than I do, but um, you should be able to, within 60 days of that event, um, go onto the exchange and find a plan and enroll, even if it's not during the normal enrollment period. Right. That can be financially very difficult, but it is extremely important, both for your health and for your claim. Absolutely. Well, one last question that I have for you. Um, I think you've already answered it, but one of the things that you mentioned is with the ERISA plans. Um, and it's federal. So I would assume that if anyone across the country, no matter where they live, has a federal claim um, under ERISA, that you would be able to provide representation even though you're in Atlanta. Is that yes. correct? Yes, uh, we represent, um, we represent um, folks across the country. And um, when we when the claim is denied despite our best efforts on appeal, which we like to think is rare, um, and we have to file suit, what we do is we, we associate local counsel. I have a network of attorneys across the country that handle the same types of cases I do, and I get admitted uh, what's called pro hoc vici, uh, <laughs> a Latin term. Uh, I think it means friend of the court. Um, but I can, I can be admitted um, pretty much anywhere in the country to represent my clients. Okay. Wonderful. Well, that, that is good to know. Um, and I know I said that was my last question, but I had one more. So do you find that with most disability claims um, that there is also a requirement that an application for Social Security disability be filed as well? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and it surprises a lot of people. Um, a couple aspects of that. First of all, yes, most of these policies, private policies, the individual policies that aren't um, insured through uh, your employer. Um, they're not group policies. They're just you are the named insured and you purchase the policy on your own. A lot of times those uh, Social Security is not relevant to those uh, policies. And so you can get benefits without it, without applying. With the group policies, the vast majority, the coverage you get through your employer, they're gonna require you to apply for Social Security disability. And so you wanna, you can do that as soon as possible. And there's a couple things to know. Um, first, if you don't apply for Social Security, or if you choose not to pursue an appeal. You might apply for it. It's denied at the first stage and you just let it lie and you don't file your appeal. An insurance company can reduce your benefits that they're paying you under the long-term disability policy that you have. They can estimate what your social security benefits would be if you had filed and if it had been approved and just start reducing your benefits. And that's the worst case scenario for you. And so you want to apply for Social Security as long as you're pursuing the appeal process. The uh, long-term disability policies will typically say we won't reduce your benefits. Okay. Now, once you're approved um, for Social Security, there is an offset. 
And so they will, the insurance company will come in and reduce your benefit and ask for a reimbursement um, from some of your back pay for Social Security. Okay. It's to their advantage. And so they do <laughs> very rigorously. I am sure it is. Well, thank you so much um, for being with us today. I am sure that um, our audience will have questions for you. What would be the best ways for them to reach you with questions? Well, probably the best way um, to reach us is, you know, you can call 404-841-9400 and ask for Doug Robinson. Uh, you can send me an email to my private email if you like, uh, d.robinson at ewrlawfirm.com. You can also visit our website um, at www.disabilityinsurancelawfirm.com. All right. Well, once again, thank you very much, Attorney Doug Robinson, for sharing your knowledge with us today on uh, disability, kind of the, like I, I like to say, the uh, companion side of social security disability, uh, talking about long-term disability and short-term disability benefits. This has been an episode of The Disability. I hope that you all found this information to be helpful. Uh, you can visit us um, on various formats. You can visit us on YouTube. Um, you can also listen to us on Spotify and many other audio formats. And in the meantime, take care. Thank you again, Attorney Robinson, and we will see you next time. You've been listening to The Disability with Angel Burgess. Thank you for your positive reviews, comments, and sharing the show with others. You can catch prior episodes at www.disabilityhelpline.com and on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more.